2: Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast, where we use the lens of sports officiating to take a look at life, leadership, and legacy. My name is Chad Ozy. I am joined by Jeff Cross. How are we today, yes, Jeff? Yes,
2: yes, yes. I am good. I am good. I am good. Super excited. Got a couple of days off here. Maybe do a little recoup before we get back on the road again this weekend. So, yeah.
1: Nice. Now, you've been working, uh, you know, pretty steady throughout the season. Of course, everything kind of ramps up as we go through the season. You mm-hmm. go from, you know, a few games a week to, you know, now you're know, kind of filling up your week as you go. And I know your your travel begins to change a little bit for you yeah. as you move um, deeper into the season. Um, have, uh, have you had any challenges with that kind of stuff yet?
2: Uh, not too much. I mean, we had a couple challenges here. I, I mean, for a tough, uh, tough four or five days when I get back on the road. But, um, you know, I think uh, a lot of people may or may not know the beginning of the season. I lost four games due to COVID, you know, wow. you know, my wife got it. Um, and then I tried not to get it and I ended up getting it. Um, uh, but so I, you know, I had to give had to give back three or four games, um, some people, ah, uh, you probably didn't, didn't do that, but I don't know. I just, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be the fool. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just giving them back and it was a lot of money to get back, but I thought that was the right thing to do. I, and as I say all the time, you can never go wrong with the truth.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think it's a great reminder for all of us this year. You know, we kind of feel like, Hey, we're past the pandemic. Yeah, we are mm-hmm. as yeah. far as, you know, all the restrictions and all yeah. the regulations that right. we had for a while. But, uh, you you make the comment every year. Don't don't count your games before the season starts. Right. Count your games at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And you know I don't care if it's somebody's it rolls their ankle or if somebody comes up with a positive COVID test or somebody has a work emergency or whatever. Mm-hmm. People's schedules are going to change all the time. Yep. And I thought it was really interesting when uh, when Jeff had to be out those those four games. Uh, I would pop on the TV, oh, well, well look look who got an opportunity. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Jeff couldn't be on that game. In fact, if I remember correctly, at least one of those officials got their very first Big Ten game.
2: Uh, I think so, yep. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: mm-hmm. because of a situation that, um, that was unforeseen. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you know, availability is important, staying on top of our business, doing yeah. all that kind of thing, uh, because that person getting that opportunity – Meant that somebody else probably got a mid-major game that they yeah you know wouldn't yeah. have gotten, which then meant somebody else got a D two game, which then means somebody else got a D three game. I yeah. mean, it's that trickle down all the way, and uh, and you never know what can happen and how it can happen and all that kind of stuff. And uh, this has been a this has been a really fun start to the season for me. Um, I've had some ridiculously close games. I've not had as many overtime games yet this season as I did last year. Last year, it what was do you like now? every second game <laughs> <Yeah>. was an <laughs> yeah. overtime game. It's like, holy cow.
2: I know you texted me one time. The streak continues. Yes,
1: I've only got two overtime games in so far this year. But mm. I've had several others that have been you know, one or two possession at the end of the game, mm. multiple advancements, mm. all that kind of thing, which, I again, I think it's part of what makes – the college women's basketball game so exciting is the fact that we can get to end of game scenarios and you know somebody that's down three points with 1.1 seconds left on the clock has, has got a shot to tie the thing up yeah whereas you know in a in a high school game where they got to come in from the other end it's they just really don't. They don't. Even know? college men, I don't think they yeah, can do that. They don't. Right? You know. And so, I yeah. think it's. I think it's just so exciting. I think it's fun. I think it makes the the teams have to work harder on defense. All, all those kinds of things I think are really, uh, really fun to be a part of. It means that we have to be on top of our stuff. Mm-hmm. a Few uh, more
2: rules to, for us to understand. That's right.
1: <laughs> uh, but a, a really exciting way to. Uh, to, to come to the end of a ball game. Today, Jeff, we're going to talk about something that I think um is really important for us to look at at this point of the season. All of our our baseball officials that are in the the training season right now, you know, part of what we're doing as we're hitting our off-season workouts and all is we are trying to get our bodies in shape. Mhm. So, that when we get to the season, we're not worrying about that and we're able to focus on the mental part of the game. Sure. Right? So, Mm -hmm. now for all of our basketball officials, it's not like we're going to get in better shape right now yeah, right. you know the, yeah. the shape that we're in for the season is kind yeah. of the shape we're gonna now doesn't mean that if we you know everybody that cheated at thanksgiving and then decides <laughs> well now nah, i might as well cheat through christmas yeah, and then, right. well i might as well cheat through new year's well right. that could affect the way the uniform right. fits come january january
2: february not looking good right
3: yeah
1: <laughs> but you know for the most part we're, we're not going to see drastic changes in that mid season mm-hmm. um where i think we see the drastic changes is how we mentally approach the games that we're a part of. Mm-hmm. And there have been some unique things that have happened already this season um, that, uh, as Jeff and I were prepping for today, we thought might be really good to talk about. Because even though they may be really visible at the Division One level with things that we see on TV, um, we're also hearing lots of this same kind of stuff happening at the Division two, the Division three, the Junior College level, and beyond, and so it's just a great reminder for us, and I think it's a hopefully will be something that'll spark uh, some conversation mm-hmm. uh, in pre games uh, as people are on their drive to their next game or whatever. This may be a, a great way for us to be able to focus. But uh, Jeff, one of the things that's happened this year at the start of the basketball season is we have seen a lot of fights mm-hmm. break out already. Um, it seems like there is a very charged atmosphere on the court. Um, how, what do you attribute that to? And then what are things that we need to be looking for as officials when, when we know that heading into a, a contest?
2: Yeah, I mean, when you say charged atmosphere, I mean, even if there's – I've been part of games and I've seen other games that there's been no fight, but there's been – Two intentional fouls called, a couple technicals, you know. So, um, and not even really close games. Mm-hmm. So um, there's there's something happening right now. Um, now, this is purely just my speculation on what I think is is happening. Um, besides the fact that you know, over the years we've developed, we've put more and more pressure on our teams to win. Mm-hmm. um and the coaches and the coaching staff and players you know just they want to win so bad um sometimes we don't always think it's clearly so that has something to do with it but and that's gotten you know extremely uh higher as we as if you look back 10 years ago to now right mm-hmm. so so we have that in, in at every level from division three on up but to me, I think sometimes we just we're, there's a lot of um, animosity on the floor right now, potentially between teams. Mm-hmm. With the with the the NCAA and uh, implementing the transfer portal, we have we have you know kids that were playing on Team A last year are now playing on Team B, and now Team B and Team A are playing each other. Yeah. And everybody on team A is mad at one player that went over to team B Mm -hmm. and you know, maybe that's their, maybe that's the reason player B left team A is because of that. So now they got to play against each other. So it's just all those things that um, can really build up for, for a kid. And um, they don't know how they haven't developed that, that, that maturity yet to, to have the composure. So, um, you know, and, you know, with with the pressure of in, uh, on a coach to to keep a high quality kid on the team, you know, unfortunately, they have to recruit while they're while they're playing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, they don't they don't they don't have them for four years anymore. So they got them, you know, basically a year by year deal, and hopefully they keep them happy. And um, and it's just uh, there's there's some real difficult situations there. Um, as we were talking before, you know, this this name in, image likeness, you know. They're all trying to get some sort of deal, whatever that is, whether small, big, or, or a medium. That they're trying to do that, so they're gonna they're gonna be putting forth even more effort to try and maybe grab uh, a sponsorship or some sort of funding. So,
1: you know, I, I think it's interesting that you you bring up a few of those things, and I'd, I'd like to walk through them just a little bit. You know, so the first one that you talked about is this idea that we've got. Players facing each other that were playing together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, school A um, student transferred out after their sophomore year in the transfer portal. They come into team B. Team A was counting on having that player. It was one of their star players. Now is going to be a junior man. They're going to be good. And now, because of some pieces and maybe an injury or whatever happens, and now team a's just not as good as they would have been, and team b's kicking their butt well now it's a whole lot easier to take a shot to to do something mm-hmm. there, you know and i I think that's one that we can easily wrap our minds around because we um we get that the the transfer portal's a big deal we get that. Everybody's looking to to make the win, to have the statement to do that. And I think it'd be really easy for some of us that officiate at the Division II, the Division III level below for us to go, well, that only affects the Power Five conferences. Mm-hmm. That only affects the big schools. That's not exactly correct. Mm-hmm. We may not have as big a deal with transfer portal stuff at the Division II and Division III level, even though there is some of that mm-hmm. happening. What I'm seeing right now a lot that I think goes hand-in-hand with what you just said is this idea of the COVID years that the players were given. Mm. Um, You know, some of these players uh, may have redshirted their first year in. They could then have a medical redshirt, say, the next year happened. They played a year. They had two COVID years, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Now they had another year. So now they've been in school six years and they still have two years of eligibility. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. which, is, which is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And so during those six years, guess what they had to do to stay eligible for the NCAA? They had to take a full cas- class load mm-hmm. every single semester. So we have students with two years remaining in eligibility that have already completed a master's degree or a master's degree plus, mm-hmm. if their school offers those degrees. So now, some of these are students, especially at the at the d three level, where you know a lot of these students really are students first before they're athletes, right where now they are saying well i I need to go get my doctorate for this this program that I want to go into <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. and the school that I'm at offers a master's degree in this area, but they don't offer offer a doctorate or a lot of people that are going into certain work. It's not good for them to have all three of their degrees from the same institution. It looks better if one of those degrees is from another institution. Like they may do an undergrad one place and then their master's and doctorate someplace else or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. And so now this person who's gotten their master's degree at the place they were at now is like, I got, I got to go someplace else to work on this doctorate. Oh, and they want me to play basketball, which now pays for me to get my graduate degree. Yeah. Why wouldn't I do that? hmm you know, because so much of your doctoral work is one-on-one work anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's research-based. It's writing-based. It's all that kind of thing. So now we have these students that it's not, you know, they're not thumbing their nose at their old team saying, I'm I'm dumping out in the portal to get a better gig. Yeah. They're just, I, I got to go get my other degree. Right. And I'm going to play ball while I'm doing it. And so now there are just all of these different pieces that are moving that we've never seen move before. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there are some ways where it's animosity. There are other ways where it may be really good natured back and forth. You know, these these kids played together for literally six years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> now right. they're facing each other mm-hmm. from a different team. And what to us as officials may sound like, oh, they're starting to elevate is really they're just having fun back and forth because they've known each other for sure. so long. And right. so it changes the dynamic of what we listen for, mm-hmm. changes the, the dynamic of what we're looking for on the court. Uh, and it really does make a, a, a difference. So I, I think players that played together now playing against each other, I think really is something that we're noticing. Now you brought up something really interesting and I, I want to get to the NIL in a minute, but I, I want to go to the, the last one that you talked about next which is this idea that because of the transfer portal, coaches are having to recruit Mm -hmm. from their own team Mm -hmm. during the season. Now, flesh out what you mean by that.
2: Well, I mean, obviously I didn't coach at a college level, and I never had to worry about recruiting anyone. But when I coached baseball, it was, you know, sometimes I only had 10 kids. Yeah, So I had to – Find ways for them to enjoy being around Grace Baseball, even though they didn't want to be there. Sure, and I think that that that's exactly what NCAA coaches are doing right now, but at a higher level, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to find ways to uh, make player A feel like they are part of the family and part of the team and. They are part of the results, and you know. And even though we may not be getting results, you're gonna, we're going to get results, and, and got to make them want to stick around from year to year. Via that way, they don't say, "Listen, I'm so and so just called. They're they're 20 and 0 right now. I'm going. You know, and they won't, Obviously, they can't do that, but they can sense those things, right? They can say, "I'm out of here. I'm I'm not going to be over 20. I'm going to go play for someone else that that can win." So. Um, I think coaches are doing that daily. I think they're doing it I mean, I think they're doing it during the game, during practices, at still all while trying to demand excellence sure. from their players. A very, very difficult thing to do. Um
1: Absolutely. And I, I heard somebody mention something along these lines that I had not put it together in the same way until y- you mentioned um this idea of recruiting, you know, within the season. But they mentioned they felt like, as they have watched basketball games this year, that teams are going deeper into their bench mm. than they typically do. Now, it's early season. You often play a lot of people. Sure. They were even talking about in, in highly competitive games, it just felt. So I'm, I'm sure somewhere there is some statisticians that <laughs> could tell us if that's accurate or not or if that's just kind of what people are feeling. Sure. You know, But if that's true, let's say that you know normally a team goes – six or seven deep, you know, as far as players that get significant amounts of playing time. And then maybe another couple players that get a few minutes here or there. And let's say now it's really that there's eight or nine players that are getting significant playing time and a couple others that are, you know, getting, and there's that one person down on the end of the bench that's coming in to shoot free throws for a technical foul. because right, right. That's what they can do. Right. That's you right. know, yeah. um, part of the reason for that may be that this coach has got to get their players on the floor, yeah. If, if they want to keep them, you know, mm-hmm. you got you got five stud seniors that are your starting five. In the past, they may have played ninety five percent of your minutes.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, now those those two sophomores that are going to be really really good next year, you got to keep them for next year, yeah. And so you got to get more, you got to get them more playing time, you got, which now means there could be more mistakes. There could be more stuff that happens. That's going to then elevate the coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are pieces that we've not had to think about as officials, but that could really be affecting the thought process that goes into our coach communication that goes into our player communication, all of it.
2: And I think, I think we've probably had a little bit of it. The issue is it's definitely more common. Now it's more common that, that, that this is happening and we, you know, at least for me, I felt like I was always aware when subs were coming off the bench. Okay, mm-hmm. this is, you know, whatever. We had set a starter go out. We have a sub coming in. Um, we, we don't know what kind of game they play yet. We don't know anything about them. We don't know if they're going to be handsy, if they're going to be physical. We don't know anything about that. So so now my antennas would go up. But now in in the generation that kind of we're, we're playing basketball now is that that happens all the time. Yeah, all the time, where we had to keep track of maybe one or two, three top subs, mm-hmm. we could be seeing five or six different subs, yeah. and on both sides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, it's just a little bit more, um, as I've talked about before, mental conditioning. Just a little bit more, for, for, for a little bit more for us to track and to be aware of. Mm-hmm. It, you know, when our personnel changes. We need to have some antennas up that things are things potentially could change. Mm-hmm. And what, what, these aren't big secrets, right? Yep. It's not a big secret when, if we just go into baseball, we'll say,
1: mm-hmm.
2: well, if they bring a new pitcher in, the pitcher could have a 102-mile-an-hour fastball. Yep. That's not a big secret. So now i got to be, as an umpire, I need to be really focused on this on this tailing-away fastball that's going 100 miles an hour, where the guy I just had before threw 85 mile an hour curveballs. Yep. So, this is not some ingenuitive way of thinking, or even a biased way of thinking. It when personnel changes, we need to be aware of different things, um, and that should be that should be mandatory for us.
1: Absolutely, and again, for those of us that don't think this is going to affect, you know the the lower levels of ball, <laughs> it absolutely is going to affect it because now. That player at a at a D two, who's the absolute star of that team. When they begin to get elevated, that coach may not pull them off the floor, because that coach doesn't want to tick off that player because that player could go in the portal to a mid major D one next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And so now, when normally they would pull them off and cool them down and mm-hmm. sit them down because they've been mouthing off to officials or whatever. Well now we got to deal with them longer on the court mm-hmm. cuz the player doesn't you know the, the player holds a lot more control than they ever did before. They have a lot more power than yeah. they ever did before. And there's some great positives to that that the, the player has some uh some greater ability to control their own destiny and to, to do those things, but there's also some negatives from an an overall shaping of of a program.
2: Well, um, we just don't know what it looks like, right? You yeah. know, the, we 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 can – when it changes like this, we just just don't know what it's going to morph into. Yeah. So when we struggle with not knowing what that future looks like, it becomes very difficult. Um, I heard a story just the other day. um, It was a high school basketball game. And he – there was a high school basketball player that was out of sorts that didn't get a technical foul that probably, as the crew discussed it, probably thought that they should have gotten a technical foul. Fine. Afterwards, the coach said, somehow, you know, it's high school basketball, so they mm-hmm. tend to talk a little bit more. The coach has said to the one of the officials, well, yeah, I thought that, you know, this player had said this, but, and I just wanted to make sure that they did say it, but I'm, I'm going to sit him out for the next game. I think that's good. It's great, yep. right? It's good for a basketball coach to be able to do that. But we're high school basketball is no different than in, in college basketball when it comes to that. Well, mom and dad are going to go, what are you sitting my billy down for? Mm-hmm. And this is this is the point that I made with this, talking to this official, because the, the action didn't get penalized. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, right? We don't care. It just didn't get penalized. And looking backwards, we should have penalized. That mom and dad can say, how can you sit my billy down when the official didn't even penalize the infraction? When the penal, when the official doesn't penalize, they didn't do anything wrong. They're there, so what, who are you to say that my Billy did wrong? Mm-hmm. And that's that's where we're at on these situations. Well, even though this coach is still trying to build character and build build a program that is um, honorable, and when they make those decisions, moms and dads have. They have, they had, now they have ammunition. Go, well, listen, ref didn't penalize it. So I don't think you really have a choice either. Yeah. you know, be like the judge giving, giving someone, Hey, you got to pay this speeding ticket. Will the cop give you a speeding ticket? No, but I saw you doing it. Yeah. Can't do it.
1: Yeah. And you know, uh, the word that, that comes to mind as we talk about some of this is this idea of agency. You know, it used to be that the, the person that really had agency within the team was the coach. You know, the coach was the one that could make decisions. The coach was the one that wielded the power. And you either got on the coach's page mm. or you were off the team. Yep. You know, what we're finding now through this uh, name image likeness, through the transfer portal, through some of these other things, is that these student athletes have greater agency. Mm-hmm. And... As I said, there's so much of that that can be very, very positive, but there's also some definite pitfalls that can come from that. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're going to find some coaches that are going to get frustrated as the season goes on yeah, because they've never had to navigate through this before. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like the, I I don't know if, if some of you remember this, uh, some of you are, are way too young to even know it, but, uh, when the three-point line first came into ha- high school basketball, there were coaches that said, "We're not shooting those.
2: <laughs> yep, mm-hmm.
1: that's not how we play.
2: Yeah, I We pound
1: this. the yeah. ball inside. We shoot twelve-foot jumpers. Yep. That's what we do." Mm-hmm. There were other coaches that said, "Hmm, let's embrace this thing," mm-hmm. and they started launching threes. And the truth is. Some of those old school teams were better than the teams that were launching threes. Yeah. But the teams that were launching threes started winning basketball games Mm -hmm. in part because those coaches were not willing to adapt to a new landscape. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have some coaches that are going to struggle adapting to this new landscape. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to struggle how do they walk the line between demanding excellence of their players and still allowing those players to feel like they are valued and important uh, the way they address those players may be different mm-hmm. the the coach that was used to being able to just absolutely dress down the players during timeout may not be able to do that anymore yeah and the ones that do May go from being highly successful to not as successful pretty quickly.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know we we as officials had to do that, right? You know, I don't know the exact year when we started bringing in this uh, the hand check. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't a new rule. You know, the rules were pretty pretty clear in there, but yeah. the NCAA said, "Listen, this is this is something we need to be enforcing." And there was many officials that couldn't adapt, and now they're not refereeing. That was just you had to learn to adapt the new landscape as you say, that this is what what the NCAA wants us to do and if we wanna work, we're gonna to have to do these things. Mm-hmm. And I believe that even happened at the high school level, correct? I mean mm-hmm. they kinda of put this rule in there and that that's I think you probably still struggle with that. Absolutely. On a night in, night out basis on what you know, what one crew's gonna do and what one crew's not gonna do, which is very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to adjust on the landscape if you want to develop your skill and your craft, your job, whether it be coaching, officiating, playing, whatever that is.
1: Yeah. Now, another thing uh, that
3: support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
1: We've noticed as this season has begun is it it seems like there has been not just injuries. We see injuries every single year. Mm -hmm. There's never a season that goes by. And and I'm sure, again, somebody in a room with 12 (laughs) computers is tracking how many injuries we have and what kinds of injuries and how we help prevent them and all that. But this year there have been some pretty high profile injuries some Mm -hmm. of the top players in the nation Mm -hmm. have gone down to injury and some have bounced back and gotten back on the court and some have been still out you Mm -hmm. know from those injuries there's a a couple things i want to do first i want to talk through what we do when we have an injury because there are some of our newer officials that are out there that just don't know Okay, so I'd like for us to talk about what do we do when an injury takes place on the court. But then I'd like for us to talk about how does that affect the way that we continue to manage that game, the way we continue to officiate the game. So let's just start with Jeff. You're you're on a court. The team star player goes up for a layup. There's a hard foul. That player goes to the floor grabbing their knee. Hmm. What do you do as an official?
2: Well, I want to be clear when I, when I say this, when, when any player gets hurt, for me, it's player first. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, that is all there is to it. As soon as I can stop the game within the rules, I will do that. And then I will do my best to, I don't want to say attend to the player, but I will assure the player help is on the way. It's just the help is on the way stay here, don't try to do too much, whatever it is, right? Um, I think that is, and whether or not help is on the way, they don't know. You typically have their head down, eyes closed, whatever mm-hmm. it is, but they need to have some sort of compassion towards them because their players are going to give them compassion too, but they don't know what happened. You know, they mm-hmm. the, the opposing team's not going to give them any compassion. So I think w- we as officials are people, mm-hmm. and if, if someone wants to fall on the sidewalk, I would, you know, I don't. I wouldn't be able to administer first aid. I don't know that, but I can at least comfort them and say, "You're going to be okay. Help is coming." So that's the first thing I do. I don't touch them. I don't. I don't try and straighten their knee. I don't do any of that stuff. But I just reassure them it's okay. Everyone's it. It help is on the way. The second thing I do is 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 clear the area. Right? We want to clear the area for the people that um, are in charge of making. You know, medical personnel to making sure this this person is is being helped, and that, if that means just sending players to the benches, um, maybe in a separate area, whatever that is. Um, and and thirdly, I've, once help is there, for me, I don't want to be, I don't want to say, I just don't want to be within earshot of you know, because that could be a it could be a difficult time, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe even if I do call a foul, right. Or if I don't call a foul, coach is upset, their player just got hurt, star or not star. So they could potentially take some of that out on you. Um so try, you know, try and create some distance there that um that won't lead into something they don't need to lead into. Those those are my three basic things that I do.
1: Okay, so let me walk through those. The first thing that you said was is that you are going to stop play as soon as the rules allow. That's right. So what do the rules allow? Well, yeah.
2: So if, if the team, team, a kid is hurt and team a has the ball, I can stop the game anytime. If team a kid is hurt and team B has the ball, I could stop the game anytime they are not threatening the basket. So if they're just walking it up, I could stop it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're passing it around. I can pat. I could stop it. Um, I would also say this, there's a big difference, big difference on when I stop the game, if the score is 41-41, or if it's Mm
1: 41-81.
2: There's a big difference when I stop the game, when it's uh, uh, Purdue University against um, Blackburn Community College. Mm -hmm. It's just a big difference. Yep. No one's going to say anything. And we're putting player first. As I said, that, that it's always player first. Always. Um, so th- those are things we just need to know those things. And we tend to get locked into, oh, the rules didn't allow me to. No one's going to care that we have a kid from Blackburn down and Purdue's getting ready to have a layup and it's a 40-point game. No one's going to care. Yeah. So that's where we got to show that compassion to the player. So, really, really let me need-
1: let me add to that, Jeff. That I think it's it's important for us to show that compassion verbally, like you just talked about a mm-hmm. minute ago. But I think it's also important for us to show it physically. And here's what I mean: there is a uh, there's a steal, and Team A is going the other way to score a layup, mm-hmm. right? And as somebody from Team B is running after that play, they fall and they go down to the floor, right? And they're grabbing at their knee. Mm -hmm. And I'm the trail coming up the court. My two partners can handle the breakaway layup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am going to stop right right in the vicinity of that downed player Mm -hmm. so that everybody around realizes, number one, that we know they're hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. And number oh. two, mm-hmm. as soon as it allows us to, mm-hmm. now I hit my whistle and we stop play. Right. Everybody knows, because what I have seen over and over and over again is there's a player on the floor and we've left them back in the backcourt and everybody else has moved up into the front court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That to me is a really bad look. Mm-hmm. So when I say demonstrate that compassion physically, I mean, just my presence there by them mm-hmm. says, we care about you. Yeah. We understand you are in distress right now yeah. and we're gonna do everything we can to help. Right. The other thing, and I uh I had somebody mention this the other day after a a post game discussion about an injury. There was a time that a player went down and was obviously having a seizure.
2: Mm, right.
1: Okay. If that happens
2: Stop and the there is a breakaway, <laughs> I don't care. That's right. That's right. These are life-threatening situations That's right. now. Yeah. Not an injury. This is when 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 a player's life is in danger, we need to stop the game.
1: That's right. First of all, if a coach sends a clip mad that we stop play because the opposing team player was having a seizure, shame on them.
2: Mm-hmm. Or passes out. Whatever, right? Right. right? Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Secondly, if your assigner chastises you. For stopping play in a life-threatening situation, you probably don't want to work for them.
2: Well, and the bottom line is, even if they do that, and you you stop the game, guess who gets to sleep with their head on the pillow, very peacefully? Me, because I I felt like I did the right thing, in the humanity of, of what That's we're
1: exactly doing. right. I, I'm just telling you, I know lots and lots and lots of assigners. I know really great assigners. I know not so great assigners. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Even the not so- great assigners that I know have mm-hmm. no problem with you stopping for that's somebody's life or death situation, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, that's exactly right. you know the the human aspect of what we do it, it's, it's, and I talk about it all the time what we what we do on the basketball floor should be exactly what we do in the streets. yep if I'm in a grocery store and someone passes out, I'm not going to go, well, excuse me, I'm gonna get my chicken noodle soup. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be, we're going to show some compassion for what's happening. Now, if someone twists their ankle, you know, okay, I may glance and make sure they're okay yep. and keep moving. So that's what we should be doing on the basketball floor. I, I don't think we, we need to overthink this process.
1: Yeah. Now, the next thing you said you're going to do is that you're going to. Um, you're know, you going to separate players. You're going to get players to the benches. Mm -hmm. I think that's just one of the best automatic things that we can do there in that moment. Even if it's a quick, they're going to come get the player and get them right off the court. Mm -hmm. You know what? Giving those players the opportunity to separate, not allowing things to be said, whatever, I I think is is brilliant. Mm -hmm. The third thing that you said you were going to do is that you were going to get distance. Mm -hmm. Once you knew the player was being attended to, you were going to get distance. That is so, so important. Um, baseball, we have a slightly different protocol there. Um, we're supposed to be there with the coach mm-hmm. to make sure that the only thing they are attending to is the injury, that mm-hmm. they're not coaching in that sure. moment. Sure. So it's slightly more difficult there. It's easier for a coach to take a pot shot at you or whatever yeah. if you're yeah. doing that. Mm-hmm. But on the basketball court, we don't have to do that. So mm-hmm. on the basketball court, let's get away. Um, and then if if a coach says something in anger – no, in no. But coach has something in frustration. Sure. They're just frustrated their player. Now, we're not hitting them with a technical foul because we weren't there to hear it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, yep. let's get away. Let's get with our partners. Let's talk. And then I'm going to add a fourth thing. You, you brought up those three things that you do when that injury takes place. The fourth thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure my crew is on the same page before we start again. Right. Because let's say we stop that play during live ball. And there's now... 24 seconds on the shot clock, and we were in the backcourt. Okay? Well, we need to know what's what's our number. Yeah, right. Is mm-hmm. it 20? Mm-hmm. Is it 14? Mm-hmm. Where's the ball coming in? Mm-hmm. You know, what's – because in those moments where we stop out of the ordinary, it's so easy for us to just forget that. Yeah. So one of the first things I'm going to do, whether I'm the one stopping play or not, is I'm going to try to make sure I've got time of possession. Mm -hmm. I'm going to know where the game clock's at. I'm going to make sure they don't reset a shot clock or whatever, you know. Let's do all that, and then let's get the crew together. Let's make sure we're on the same page before we put things back in. Because even if that takes an extra minute – I would much rather take an extra minute that we didn't need to take than have to take 15 minutes because we screwed something up later.
2: You know, like we had an injury last night after our game, or yesterday afternoon, it was was after a made basket. We had a little bit. We stopped the game. They collided knees and um, whatever it was, so we had stopped the game. Uh, The player didn't come out, which is fine. Uh But it was a little bit longer of a delay, and then we were getting ready to inbound the ball. With a brand-new 30-second shot clock. But the question came up. The player said, can I run? And the other fish was like, I forget what just happened, right? Mm-hmm. So we had to, you know, remind ourselves, yeah, it was just a made basket. They can run. So those that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Not just the 10 seconds, but can they run the baseline? Or is this a spot throw in? You know, what happened here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So um, those are all things that we should be, you know, aware of when, when we have those stoppages of play.
1: Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. You know, part of what we wanted to do in having this conversation today is that anytime there are unique situations, you know, we say whenever the, the temperature rises in a game, you know, our our spidey sense needs to to, to go up as well, right? Mm-hmm. Well, anytime these unique situations come up, we need to elevate a little bit. You know, we we need to know... and. One of those things that happens is, it's a horrible thing, and I apologize for bringing it up, because as soon as I bring it up, somebody's gonna call me and say, because of you, this happened to me on the way to my game. Um, but, but we're getting ready to hit bad weather season. Mm-hmm. you know, And it may not be unique, because uh, it may happen a lot for a lot of us, uh, but it was, it was funny, I was just down uh, in the deep south, with my uh, daughter just a couple weekends ago. Was down there and had a great time visiting with her. She's on the gulf uh, there where she goes to school. And it was 55 degrees, okay? And so uh, we were near Pensacola Beach. We were walking through a few stores on while we were waiting to go to dinner with some friends of my wife. And uh, my son had on a pair of jeans and a T-shirt. I had on a pair of jeans and like a long sleeve button up that was rolled up a cuff or two. And my wife just, you know, had on jeans and a, and a top. And we're walking around on the boardwalk and walking into this store. And the people looked at us like, shut the door, shut the door, shut the door. <laughs> we're like, what? They're like, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs>
0: Uh, we look around
1: and everybody had on scarves <laughs> and like the closest thing they had to a winter coat. There yeah. were people wearing gloves. It was 55. Like for us up here, it's like, oh my gosh, this is balmy. This Rift is awesome.
2: Five. I love it. You know, it. like we can go weather. out, yeah. you know, play golf in this yeah, or whatever.
1: Right. And so some some of our officials may live on the the edges of where they hit bad weather mm-hmm. you know and maybe it only affects you once or twice a season whereas yeah. for others of us it, there may only be a week or two starting about this time that we don't have weather affect what we yeah. do but we we need to be ready and prepared we need mm-hmm. to have our schedules ready to go to where if we need to take off a couple hours earlier because of of weather we can do that we need to be better with our communication You know, we we need to make sure we got the right phone numbers for people so we can communicate with them if we're going to be late getting there because of of weather or whatever.
2: Well, you know, and even something I've actually done over the last couple of years is, you know, I keep, uh, you know, like a safety, a road safety kit with me, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it has some triangle caution triangles, maybe a flashlight, jumper cables, you know, I've even done so much as put a – a four-way lug nut remover Mm. in my car so if i do have something i i'm not trying to do it with the 99 cent wrench that they give you with the car (laughs) you know so just those are just a few small adjustments that you can make that don't take up any room Mm -hmm. and you can have that and you can be ready you know i i didn't i didn't mention you know we we so i I don't know i forget when we talked about it but you know sometimes the hardest part of the game it's getting to the game. Yeah. It's the easiest. But just just this past uh, a Wednesday, so I had a game on. I had a game on Tuesday. So I woke up Tuesday morning, and I went to go do something in my car, and my air pressure in my rear right tire was down to, like, it's supposed to be at 37. I think it was down to, like, you know, 30 or 27, something. so it was low. Mm-hmm. So I filled it up. I'm like, whatever, I'll fill it up. I don't know what happened. Go to my game. Get out of my game. It's, it's fired up now it's down to 22 mm. so i got to get the gas i go to a gas station fill it back up again get to my hotel for the night and basically so the first thing i got to do when i get up in the morning instead of me sleeping till eight nine o'clock get on the road around 11 i got to get up at zero dark 30 hit the first tire shop that opens up yeah. and it's been 90 minutes waiting mm-hmm. to you know for them to squeeze me in because no one else has got any help and and just to get my tire fixed so th- those are all things that, as much as we'd like to say, are never going to happen, and maybe very rarely do happen. We got to be prepared for them in some way, shape, or form. So uh, we got to be able to find a way. And you know, i, I heard a story just this week that um, a- an official got a flat tire on the way to the game and didn't make the game. Yeah. You know, so that just all this stuff happens. And and I and I tried to learn from that situation. And I said, okay, what what would I have done right? And it was funny that I was talking to my partners about it and to talk about, the, you know, the unfortunate thing that happened. And uh, they said, well, you know, if I was close enough to whatever city, let's just say they were close to Indianapolis, I would look up and see, you know, what, what officiating friends do I have in Indianapolis? Mm-hmm. And maybe give them a call. And say, hey, do you have a brother? to come pick me, pick yeah. me up or whatever. Right. <laughs> so, and it was, cause I never thought about those until they mentioned it. I'm like, Hmm, that's really not a bad idea. Someone said, well, you could just Uber, call an Uber. Out of Indianapolis and take you to the game. I'm like, mm, I guess we could do that too, mm-hmm. you know. So there's all kinds of things that we don't necessarily think about or even prepared for, but uh, the more you can be and more you learn from other people suffering, yeah. the better chance we have. So, yeah,
1: yeah, you know, I I think I've shared on the podcast before, but you know, I had a game a few seasons ago where ended up in the median with mm-hmm. nasty snow and all, and and wasn't able to get there in time for the start of the game. In fact, I walked onto the court as the fourth quarter mm. was starting. Mm. Um, it was a, it was a rough day and it was one of those days where everything that I did was right. I left when I was supposed to leave. Mm-hmm. I drove the right speed. I did all the things to be careful, but because of somebody else spinning out in front of me, it was a choice hit him or go into the median. Yep. And I made the choice to go into the median and, uh, what was what was interesting about that was that I I had a plan so the moment I was there I called the tow truck first hmm. right but then the second call was to my coordinator mm-hmm. and I called Randy Fox and I said Randy I'm on my way to the one place in your conference that nobody can get there from here, you know?
2: And they're the only team playing. <laughs> That's right. And
1: I'm I'm on my way there and this is where I'm at. And to, to Randy's credit, his first question was, Oh no, I gotta find somebody. That was not it. His mm-hmm. first question was, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Right. His second question was, Do you have water? Do you have heat? Do mm-hmm. you have, you know, an extra blanket in the cardio, whatever. He was he was concerned about my mm-hmm. welfare first mm-hmm. and foremost. Player first. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Once we got that out of the way, then it was, okay, what's our plan? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You And I said, well, that's what I'm going to do. The tow truck's on its way. There's another person in front of me. It's a single female in a car. I know they're going to pull her out before they pull me out. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to the game. He said, okay, call me in 30 minutes. Keep me updated. I called him in 30 minutes. They were pulling the other lady out. Hadn't pulled me out yet. By the time they pulled me out, Randy's statement to me was, hey, Chad, they're going to be starting the game before you get there. Hey, if you want to just be safe, turn around, go home. They can work the game Mm two-person. I've worked games two-person before. (laughs) It's not fun on a college court.
2: No, it's not.
1: You know? And I said, you know what? I'm going. And so I went to the game. I got there for a period. Both of the officials that I worked with were absolutely awesome Mm-hmm. uh mike and tori w- had been working their tails off and called a great game and the funny thing was is you should have seen the smiles on their face when i stepped onto the court
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know I, I i saw them coming down the court trail was uh was opposite the door that i came in mm-hmm. and so i just came in and stepped into trail looked at them bumped them up to see and we were good and mm-hmm. you know we were running back and forth and it was this great thing and they were so appreciative Now, they both said, man, there was no need for you to have to come. Sure, right. Right? But they were so appreciative that I still wanted to fill as much of my commitment to my crew as I could. Mm -hmm. You know, the school was so appreciative, they gave me a full game check. Mm -hmm. You know, after having bumped what they gave the other officials, Mm -hmm. thanking them for doing their work. So, I mean, it was a school that did it right, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, when those unique situations happen um i think it's important to have a plan uh to be to be ready to go in every way that we that we can be
2: i think it's good to have a plan and also good to understand that um, the everything may not necessarily go as planned absolutely the, the most interesting part about that story i know you told that story before but i don't remember hearing this part it was funny that you called the tow truck first randy second yeah um I feel like I would call Randy first just in case there was a sub close by. Sure. You know, that they could get to. Um, I I think we're only talking a couple minutes, right? So it's not not the, you know. I I thought was if
1: I can get closer in the queue for the the tow truck, I'm Mm -hmm. better off. (laughs) And that makes perfect sense to me
2: as you say it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's interesting. And another thing, you know, we talk about, uh, I've talked about this with you before, is when we have situations like that, so let's just say, cause if I have a partner who calls me and says, "Jeff, the roads are slick. I'm not going to be there on time." Well, I don't say well, you need to call the boss and let them know that you're not going to be there on time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I need them to pay attention to the road. Yeah, I'll call the boss. Yeah, you know, I'll do those things. So, and that's and that's where, you know, we can we can make those um, leadership type decisions Mm -hmm. instead of going, Hey, well, listen, you're not going to be here. Good luck. talking to the boss. You know, that's not what we need to be doing. You need to find a way to help them in, in, I think that's a, that's a great thing by Randy to say, okay, you know, are you checking in? Are you okay? Just call me every 30 minutes. I'm not worried if you don't show, you know, those kind of things. So I think we, we are in for, uh, you know, just like any other winter, you never know what's going to happen. You know, I'm, last I heard, it's going to be pretty much 50 all, all January, so we're okay. <laughs> it's just got to snow <laughs> on Christmas Day, that's all. Go. That's <laughs> yeah. good stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, everybody, I hope that these conversations are helpful. You know, these are things that you, you, you may not even encounter this year. You may not mm-hmm. have an injury you got to deal with. I pray that you don't have to deal with an injury. Yeah. You know, that would be awesome for you not have to deal with that. I, I pray that you don't have to worry about a, a fight or some sort of elevated thing happening in the midst of your game I, I pray that you don't have to deal with any nasty weather on the way to your games but at the same time it's a whole lot better for us to have an idea and know uh, what we need to do in those moments in order to be uncommon in the way we handle ourselves mm-hmm. if you've got comments or questions for us shoot us an email at uncommon drive podcast at gmail.com and as we mentioned to you uh, and came out in our Monday podcast that you hopefully uh, already got and listened to. Uh, Jeff is doing something super special yes. again this year where he wants the the world at large to see sports officials, NCAA sports officials, as, as humans, as mm-hmm. people that add back into society and not just uh, adversaries for those yep. around us. So because of that, uh, he's made contact with a local organization uh, in the Champaign-Urbana area Mm -hmm. where he's gonna be working a game right before Christmas. Uh, It's the That's What She Said Foundation, Mm -hmm. which I think is pretty great, uh, aimed specifically at uh, young girls and families with young girls. Uh, which is uh, Jeff being a a college women's basketball official makes uh, awesome sense Mm -hmm. to connect and pair with them. Uh, Another NCAA sports official, Kelly Hill, that many of you are familiar with has kind of been Jeff's liaison there and Mm -hmm. and making sure that that works well. And the plan is going to be to bless uh, a family in the Champaign-Urbana area on that, uh, that game day. And if you would like to be a part of that, uh, we're taking donations uh, that will be used to purchase things that that family needs and maybe even a few wants to bless them Mm. for Christmas. uh, Give them the opportunity to come to a basketball game and see what it's like and then uh, present them with that. Uh, and uh, if you would send an email to uncommon drive podcast at gmail.com, we will send you the information on how you can participate in that. If you got $5 to add to that, mm-hmm. it would be great. If you got $500 to add to that, mm-hmm. it would be great. And we just want to bless a family in awesome ways. And Jeff's led the charge on this for the last several years. Uh, it's uh, near and dear to his heart, and it's a, it's an awesome way for you to be a part of what he's doing this Christmas.
2: Yeah, it really be it's well said, Chad. Um, it it does mean a lot to me. Um, Christmas means a lot to me, and the fact that we can help others, you know, that's that's really pretty cool. Yeah. Like as I said before, we get the referee, we get the referee game we love with the people we love, and not everyone's that fortunate. So yeah. now's the perfect time to do it. And just to put it in. in in context for a second we typically have about a thousand downloads a week mm-hmm. if everyone just gave ten dollars
1: oh man could you imagine ten
2: thousand dollars am i doing that math right yeah that's what i thought i was so i mean just think about that so if you guys can you know help that'd be great um your your uh, your donation would definitely be helpful
1: awesome guys have a great week be uncommon in your life be uncommon in the way you lead be uncommon in the legacy that you leave to others We'll see you back soon. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating.